Hi. Wow, that's a lot of people here. Hi. Uh, I guess as, as uh, you know, Caitlin and every, a lot of people have a rough time, I'm going to read it. Good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. It's good to see you all. Uh, my name is Shin, obviously. I guess, I don't know, maybe sure, maybe not. Um, uh, and I'm a Korean American from New Jersey in the United States. Uh, my wife, Sarah. Uh, my daughter, Jordan, you probably saw her in the dress running around. That's my wee last. And we love living in Scotland. Um, we love being a part of Kingdom Vineyard. Wow, this is a very hot mic. But this is good. No worries. It's cool, it's cool, it's cool. Uh, which has been a part of our, we've been a part of this community for about two plus years or so. Um, and um, I am the artist that created, well, well that's me and my, that's, that's, that's the art that I made. Um, that you see on the screen, and it is of uh, Christmas time when Jesus was born. It shows the angels singing, but it also shows the mothers weeping over lost children, hands longing for rescue. It shows shepherds, wise men, and people in awe of Jesus' birth and pointing us to hope. Uh, in addition to this, here's a fun fact about me. I've worked uh, about 15 plus jobs in my lifetime. Not all of them paid, some of them uh, is questionable, but it's okay. Uh, some notable ones, I was a letter carrier for the United States Postal Service, so I drove one of those little white trucks. Uh, I worked as a nail technician, so I did manis and pennies, and I designed bulletproof, explosion-proof, fireproof, hurricane-proof doors. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> uh, so the past three weeks we've been uh, journeying uh, using my art using my heart keys to talk about Advent, which is in terms uh, the Christian, uh, in terms Christians have, uh, have for the coming of Jesus. All right, there we go. Uh, in the past few weeks, Lizzie, Alistair, and Rachel have been preaching about waiting, wondering, and God with us. Uh, each of these sermons was fantastic. So if you have missed out on them, you should totally check them out on the Kingdom Vineyard podcast. Uh, this piece is called Deliver Us From Evil. And this is also the name of today's sermon. I, I'd say it's a little weird to call this Advent Christmas sermon Deliver Us From Evil. It's kind of weird, right? Because we may or may not resonate with affected by evil. We might resonate with pain or brokenness, but evil is so, to be clear, what is evil? If there is such a thing as good, evil is the absence of good. Sometimes we can even say it is the senseless absence of good. It might be, uh, it might be uh, harm that has been done to us, or ways we may have participated willingly or unintentionally in things like corruption, lying, theft, harm, or harming our, pla our planet. Oh, I'm a little nervous. Evil, or the lack of good, doesn't make sense to us, but we all experience the lack of good, and it bothers us. It bothers me. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, if there is a state of loss, pain, or evil that we have all probably experienced, or are experiencing now, it is loneliness. Loneliness is the feeling of separation or being cut off from relationships. This leads to our feelings of being isolated. 
Loneliness affects the things we turn to when we feel lonely, including habits, people, social media, technology, other ill-advised things, drugs, work, food, you name it, just to avoid the feeling of loneliness, to distract, soothe, or numb. We know loneliness can be unbearable. It might be a stretch to say, but we experience the reality of evil, the absence of good, when we encounter loneliness. Some theologians say that evil and sin can be described as alienation from God and from human relationships. Loneliness is all around us. And there's a book written by a good friend of mine named Jason Gabriel. Oh, his name is Jason Gabriel. And the book is called Wait With Me, Meeting God in Loneliness. The book helps us understand that loneliness is not a modern problem. It is a problem that has appeared during COVID. It, it this is not a problem that has appeared during COVID. It's an ancient problem because it's a human problem. And ultimately, loneliness is a spiritual problem. Catherine Hobbs cites in a study released in 2017, it turns out that people who are spending the most time on social media more than two hours a day have twice the odds of perceived social isolation than those who said they spent a half hour per day or less than those sites. And people who visited social media platforms most frequently, 58 times per week or more, had more than three times the odds of perceived social isolation than those who visited fewer than nine times per week. We can have a thousand friends on Facebook but based on how we spend our time, it seems like Facebook is worth a thousand friends. Even though we are more connected than ever in history of the world, we experience even more isolation and loneliness. That says something, something is wrong. And it's not just about COVID. As of this week, it seems like we're entering into more restrictions and the end of COVID doesn't seem like it's in sight. And, and if that raises a certain amount of anxiety or despair in you, I want to say, I see you. And we want to pray with you today. And that God wants to meet you today. It can feel like a situation where there is nothing we can do but despair at the isolation that accompanies restrictions and lockdown. Today, we are going to talk about a man who is wrestling with evil and loneliness um, in the impossible situation and what happens when he encounters Jesus. We are looking at Mark 5, 1 through 20, and we are going to walk through it section by section because it can seem a bit odd to our modern ears. Um, they went across the lake into the region of the garrisons. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been uh, chained hand and foot, and he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and the hills, he would cry out 
and cut himself with stones. Okay. Now you may want to ask me, what is going on? Why this passage? And why did you pick this one? Because it's kind of weird, right? I guess so. Uh, but is it? But is it that weird? Okay. The Western world, we are pretty hesitant or skittish to talk about things like demons or impure spirits. But let's take a look at what he's going through. This man is suffering from some kind of spiritual attack, but also we can see he is wrestling with something we can recognize. He is isolated in a graveyard, fighting intense self-harm and emotional distress. He is also probably wrestling with a number of other things like depression, self-loathing, fear, doubt, anxiety, rejection. He is in the hills away from everyone. People have given up trying to help him, and it's been a while. And interesting, this is not written in here, but this is a little known fact. They talk about iron. So the chains that they used to bind this man was the, one of the most expensive metals of their time. So they're putting money at the trying somehow, in some way, to help this man. But chain them might not be the best thing, but you can really tell that they're trying. They just don't know how to. But anyways, get back to this one. We may, or, uh, we may or may not know people who seem to wrestle with spiritual evil things. But who doesn't know someone who is experiencing or has experienced depression, anxiety, fear, or mental health issues? Maybe you are right now. We are all struggling with loneliness. We are all struggling with something or another. And this guy's story is not that weird if you think about it. I'm thinking if most people met me today, it was, I mean, Melody and, oh, I forget your husband's name, but uh, uh, you guys just met me today, you know, I'm probably pretty friendly, pretty nice, outgoing, confident, that kind of stuff, you know, you get me, right? Um, but those words actually wouldn't describe me 20 years ago. And disclaimer, I love my parents, they're great people. There are many good times, but there are many hard times as well. Years ago, my parents saw their floundering son failing out of uni, depressed, just not himself anymore. As a parent now, I realized they were trying their best to help me. Their bar of success for me was just to be normal. I'm not sure what that means, and I still don't know what that means, but it was an oppressive word for me. Just be normal. Definitely not an artist. Be normal. My life's trajectory was to be secure monetarily, so I wouldn't go hungry. I get that. As a dad, I would do anything to fe help feed my kid, because when she's hungry, I would do anything. I would, I would find food in the ocean or whatever. I'll try my best. So that's why I had so many jobs in my life. I kept on trying, but floundering and wrestling with depression, anxiety, self-hatred, they were my chains. This man in his passage was lonely. I can say this now and share with you because I've gone through a journey of healing. But back then, I too was lonely. I wanted to scream at night. I wanted to hurt myself because I failed. I, want, I had so much regret, I had so much fear. 
I had voices that said, I'm unlovable, I'm not smart enough, I'm worthless. Have you ever heard this voice before? I know that voice all too well. We can say it's our negative side or our subconscious, but I would say it's, it's, it's a not good voice. A voice of evil that wants to break relationship with God and everyone else. We don't know how long this man has been like this, but I'm sure the waiting was a long time, that there was no hope in sight. And we are also Omicron is here, and I feel anxiety rising in me. I even bought like a whole load of toilet paper the other day on Amazon. <laughs> you know? We are in a dark place with only moments to take a breather here and there, and maybe we have to hold our breath for a little bit longer. It's a scary thought. But I want to say we can relate with this man. Our lives might be in disarray. We might see our loved ones wrestling with addiction, mental health, and other things. We see our world is broken, and we need help. Life isn't supposed to be like this. When we thirst, we were meant to drink water. We, when we are hungry, we were meant to eat food. When we are depressed, we are yearning for joy. When we are anxious, we are yearning for peace. The prophet Zechariah was in a rough spot and writes of a prophetic word of the time where old men and women will come back to Jerusalem, sit on the benches on the streets and spin tales, move around safely with their canes, a good city to grow old in, and boys and girls will fill the public parks laughing and playing, a good city to grow up in. Don't we want this kind? Rachel also mentions in Revelation 21, which talks about future hope. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Life is supposed to be like this. Our hearts ache for this kind of world because we are meant for this kind of world. There is a word that is the opposite of loneliness, and it's shalom. On this art piece, you might have noticed two times the Hebrew letter Shin written on the arms of the main angel. Also, you might have seen the word written above Mary and Joseph's head. The word Shalom means peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, healing in all ways. It is restoring something or someone. We're going to look how Jesus restores this man. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What? What do you want with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, in God's name, do, don't torture me. For Jesus said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, 
what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he, he begged Jesus again and again to not send, to, uh, again, not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the near, uh, nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us, another, uh, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits gave, uh, came out and went into the pigs. And the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down and down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. Sitting there, just dressed in his right mind, they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. People began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Before we start this section, the wrong point of this passage is to say Jesus does not care about pigs. I think, you, I think Jesus cares about pigs. They're part of creation. There you go. <laughs> Jesus tells the spirits to leave, and they don't want to. And the pigs are to show how strong and terrible these spirits were and how much torment this man went through. Jesus cares about pigs. He cares about pigs. And he also cares about this man and his restoration. The evil spirits want to cause a distraction and harm, as Jesus does good. So this is basically senseless. Jesus commands the impure spirits to leave, and this man is healed. Jesus brings, brings this man to shalom. He is restored. He is healed. He is in a clear mind. Back to the story I shared before. Because I was sad and depressed as a young 20-year-old, I was unable to do some normal life things. I developed a stutter I didn't have before. And while my friends with stutters can be great conversationalists, I was not. I was so nervous all the time and couldn't get the words out of my mouth. Probably one of the most demoralizing times. I was a part of a church where I wanted to say something at a meeting. I remember graphs. It was probably a budget thing. I don't know. It took me a minute to make a remark. And my embarrassment just consumed over me. And I looked down at the ground, ashamed that I had taken so much space to just say some words that probably cost others so little to say. Then unexpectedly, an older brother came here, his name's JB, grabbed my hand and squeezed it gently. That gentle squeeze comforted me and said, I love you and I see you. It's okay. I grew up in a family where comfort was not available. My church family was a place of welcome to a lonely, sad young man. I still remember when J.B. squeezed my hand when I felt 
unloved. God was squeezing my hand through him. It made me believe that I could be loved, that I could be rescued, even if things looked bleak. It might sound weird, but God wants to squeeze your hand. The story in Advent is God coming in the person of Jesus to squeeze our hand and lead us out of darkness. The question is, do you need or want God to squeeze your hand? During that season, I continue to feel God's hand holding mine, even in the midst of dark times. Days turn, uh, turned to months, and months turned into years. God had continued to hold my hand through dark valleys, but also beautiful mountaintops. I've seen healing, reconciliation, and forgiveness I thought was impossible. I can finally create the art that I never, I was never allowed to keep. I wept with joy at my long-awaited graduation from seminary, and it was my deep hope and love that brought me to Scotland. And with my wife and my daughter, we love Scotland. This is great. We love you guys. Wish. I wish I could go back in time and tell my 20-year-old self, Shin, how powerfully and deeply Jesus could deliver him from evil. Jesus delivers us from evil by showing us how to hold his hand. If you are afraid or unsure of holding his hand, whatever your faith background may might be, he's kind. Gentle, patient, a good shepherd. He wants to hold your hand. But this is not just for us. He sends us out to others about his shalom. So let's continue with the passage. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him. He said, go home to your people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Jesus isn't trying to be mean to this guy. He knows his part. He's a part of the community. He wants the guy to tell other, others about the incredible shalom he's experienced. Jesus showed and continues to show us how to be fully human. The Bible talks about the evil one, Satan. He wants to make us subhuman. He wants to rip us apart and make us less than what we were created to be. Jesus wants us to be more than the world tells us to be. He wants to know you. He sees you right now. He knows you. He knows what you've done or feel unable to do. Like a good sculptor, he sees what is underneath because he created you. God the Father knows you. He sees your pain. He sees your struggle. He sees the world and all the messed up stuff that had, had, that had and is happening. But Jesus 
takes us and heals us and walks with us and holds our hand and removes our dark veils of depression, the anxiety, the hooks of addiction. And this is a journey with Jesus. Like all wounds, they need time to heal under the care of a good surgeon. I wonder why does Satan attack us? Maybe he knows that God has created us so fearfully and wonderfully that it would mess up Satan's plans. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe Satan is afraid that Jesus, with Jesus, and becoming fully the human that God has created you to be, you would be a wrecking ball of shalom, like this man in his story. Now I hear my mother sorry, son, like wrecking ball. This is terrible. <laughs> Anyways. Jesus doesn't keep this man by his side. He says to this man, go home to your people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And this dude is the first evangelist for Jesus. Actually, it's kind of great. And he goes to the Decapolis, which actually means not one city, but ten cities. So ten. So he goes out to ten cities, no wonder Satan's messing with this guy, right? He's like, yeah, I would do that too if I wanted to block this guy. And he's going out to ten cities. And so, all right, if you're checking us out, checking out Jesus, and you're like, man, this is too much. That's fine. But I want to say, Jesus wants to hold your hand to bring you shalom and to all of us. If you have questions about learning more about Jesus and this Christian thing, feel free to follow up with your friend who invited you, or uh, email uh, Pastor Jim or Rachel at hello at kingdomvineyard.com. They or we would love to chat with you. If you know what it's like to be held by Jesus and to experience shalom, the challenge of this story is that it is not just for you to keep to yourself. This man is sent out to, to his village. Who is your village? Who needs to hear that God wants to deliver us from evil? Is there someone like a 20-year-old Shin that needs to hear that good news? Are we going, uh, and we're going to close in prayer, but it's going to be a little bit different. Due to COVID restrictions, we can't have follow-up folks come to the front and pray with you. Um, so we're going to we're going to we're going to do we're going to imagine a scene on East Sands and ask Jesus to show up in the picture um, because it can help us imagine better. I'm going to ask those of us who feel comfortable to close your eyes. You don't have to if you don't want to. But we're going to do some imaginative prayer, so it might be nice to close your eyes. Now take a deep breath or two. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Close, open your eyes. You can stand up. I, I didn't know everyone wanted to stand up. You guys might be comfortable sitting down. But if you feel like you want to stand up, you can stand up. Stand. That's what Jim said. Stand. We're going to stand. Great. Uh, and if you, feel, if you want to close your eyes, keep your eyes closed. Take a deep breath. Imagine you are at the beach. 
waves soaking up the sand. Feel the sun on your face. It's a warmer scotch tape than that. If you feel comfortable, could you hold your hands out? We're going to ask, or we're going to now ask Jesus to show up in this scene. Jesus, we welcome you. Thank you, Jesus, that you want to hold our hand. Bring us shalom and deliver us from evil. May we all experience your healing, peace, love, and shalom today. 